Hello, welcome to the final swipe, a podcast about healing our hearts and finding love. I'm your host, Nikki Novo. Hey, it's Nikki. So, how are you liking the podcast episodes? I've heard from so many of you that you're really enjoying them, really learning a lot, and I'm so grateful to have this time with you. But I would love to ask you if you would like to take our relationship to the next level. I'm not just going to court you anymore. I want you to actually commit to me because I'm ready to commit to you. And I can, we can do that together by joining my program, Living Your Best Love Life. So it's kind of like the podcast on steroids, but we're actually actually making a shift where you're not just like listening and kind of taking it in and hoping that it sings into your subconscious, but actually doing the work to shift the way you feel about dating, to shift your energy, to shift your luck, right? Because once we start shifting the internal understanding, we actually start seeing something different. And I can do so much more with you if you join the program. I only have a few minutes with you on the podcast and it's just like not long enough. And I want to get to know you and I want to give you the exercises and I actually want to shift you from where you are to where you want to be. And I know how to do that. So what I do all day, all the time, but you know, I need you to join in with me. So this is my invitation to commit with me, to join me, to join this program. It's called Living Your Best Love Life. It's a collection of videos and meditations, shamanic healing, super cool stuff. I love doing that. It's like a shift of the energy and plus Q&As with me. So you're actually going to be able to work with me. We're going to do it live and it's way more affordable than my one-on-one sessions or my private sessions. So I'm just working with you, but in a group. So it's more affordable, but of course you're getting so much more. So sign up today, three twenty-five. Sign up today at nikkinovo.com backslash love. I cannot wait to do this work with you. Welcome to another episode of the Final Swipe. Thank you so much for being here. Really excited because we have a very special guest today, Maddie Moon, who is here with us to share herself and some wisdom on the divine feminine, which I've been wanting to bring to you guys for a long time. So I'm excited. I get to talk about that today. Maddie is just an overall magical person. I think she's a really great, um, she's a great voice in the space. If you haven't checked out her podcast, you will definitely after hearing from her today. And I think you're going to enjoy this very much. So Maddie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me on here. I love the name of your podcast as well. I want uh, to mention that. I think it's really creative. And don't we all dream of the final swipe? <laughs> right? Like ending that process. Um, it, it took a long time to find that, that, uh, that uh, name. I had to write, like, write about it a lot, but it came. So yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. So Maddie, tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and your work. And then, you know, I would love to ask about how you got into your work. So we'll just go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I am a devoted teacher. I teach across the board from spirituality to the shadow side to the feminine and masculine polarity relationships. And as a recent, I was on a a podcast recently with one of my friends, her name's Ruby, and uh, she told me on the show that she has coined in her head that I am a feelings expert. And that feels really good to me because at the end of the day, no matter what conversation I'm talking about, it always comes back to allowing your feelings, like allowing your shadow side feelings, allow your feminine feelings, allow your masculine feelings. So a lot of the work that I do is around feeling the feels and 
letting go of the shame or the societal expectations around it. And it's not a simple process. It's not something that you can just write down in your journal every day. I'm not going to feel shame about this. Like it's, it requires (laughs) deep, deep, dark work often. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that work is this massive release and freedom and the feeling of being uninhibited. So that's my desire and my work that I do, but I do it in many different ways. I teach on my podcast. Mm -hmm. It's called Mind Body Musings. I've had that for five years every week releasing a show and I host retreats. You're a bit of an OG in the podcasting world. A little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, but I really love it. It's one of the things that I never have to be like, oh, I got to keep up with my show. Like it feels so natural and intuitive still to this point, which I'm really grateful Mm -hmm. for. Um, Yeah, I live in New York City. I just moved to Brooklyn in February. And um, that is my life in a nutshell. How are you liking Brooklyn? I am really enjoying it. I was here, I was in Hell's Kitchen actually for a month Mm. and a half over Christmas. And um, me and my then time partner were traveling around state to state, just trying out new things. And he really wanted to come to New York. And I was like, oh no, I'm going to be so Mm. anxious there. I can't do it. Like, I'm going to be helpless. And he was like, you can do it. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. And so we ended up coming or going to Hell's Kitchen for a month and a half. And I really loved it. And then we went back to Colorado where we started. We decided to part ways. And then I was like, where am I going to go? Like, I have no tethering to any city. And I thought it was going to be California, but my heart kept saying, no, something is still unexpressed in New York. And so I ended up just hitting the road from New York. And the funny, crazy, odd thing is he ended up going to um, South Carolina where his work was and he got let go. And then he was in the same boat of where do I go now? And he's in New York too. So this crazy adventure that we had no idea what was going on, where were we going to end up? And then I ended up coming back to New York and now he's in New York and it's just, the world is so wild how things end up. I find it, um, I actually see that a lot in my work, like partners or former partners dropping you off, like in a city that like you're supposed to be in, but what got you there mm-hmm. um, was in a weird way, like, or what introduced you to this place that probably you would have not gone to otherwise. Um, and I see people, I see that often, like, women that, like, have had a relationship, you know, break up for whatever reason, but, like, still want to stay in the city for, even though it was a city they didn't think they wanted. So, that's beautiful. Sometimes, I mean, it gives us a, it gives us a new perspective on the relationship that can leave us feeling so grateful if you allow it to. Like, I look mm-hmm. at that and I'm like, wow, I would not be living this life Carrying right? my groceries from Manhattan, going out at night <laughs> rooftops. Like, I wouldn't be living this life that I'm so grateful for right now if it wasn't for mm-hmm. that dear soul. And yeah. he wouldn't be here either if it wasn't for me. So we're exactly. pretty cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, that's, that's really beautiful. So if you would, wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about... Um, why you got into this work and maybe um, 
and really kind of the twists and turns of, as, as we all have that took you to where you are today. Okay. Work-wise. So, yeah. I used to be a competitive bodybuilder and a um, OCD child and a fiery, all or nothing, mm-hmm. perfectionistic human being all around. Um, and I was always looking for a way for me to feel like I was emotionless. I was mm. one of the guys. I was strong. I was the complete opposite of weakness for many, many reasons that I have spent the past five years uncovering and working on. But you could get a good mental picture of that being me from birth, basically, always trying to be tough, not revealing my emotions, but yet still being very fiery. And then going down years of disordered eating, trying to take up as little space as possible in this world, while also, you know, reducing my emotions as little as possible. And I did bodybuilding for a few years, and that used to be a very big part of my coaching career is that story. I no longer spend too much time in that, but it was Mm -hmm. significant because what I was doing from this feminine and masculine point of view is that I was trying to create this physical body armor to Mm. be as thick with muscle as possible and as far away from softness and fatty tissue and taking up space as humanly possible. Like to the point of being at, at a very unhealthy level of body fat, craving the approval of these judges to give me a reason to live. Like I was just not living a normal human, well-rounded lifestyle, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. There's no room for any of that because I was so focused on creating armor, being one of the guys, being anything but a woman. And fascinating. After years, after seven years of disordered eating and like doing these competitions, I just had this breaking point that was very natural. I didn't have to force it. I just literally broke. Uh, I was done. I hit my rock bottom and I just knew something needed to change. And I didn't realize this at the time, but now when I look back, I can see how beautifully feminine my body was opening up to, but I was mm. craving mountains. I was like it, living in Texas and I started to crave nature mm. and I started to crave nurture and I started to crave food. So I literally packed up my bags and left, hit the road 48 hours after having the thought to move to Colorado and <laughs> Found an apartment without even looking at it, went ahead and signed the lease without even seeing it, drove there, got into my new home, decorated it with this like mountainy energy. I didn't know a single soul and I really went inward and I adopted a dog. So I got to nurture in nature and I started to feed my body and do intuitive eating. And that was now about, um, that was really the f- the first pivot in my life where I started to move more towards, um, I'm not going to really use the word feminine because that's not so much what it is. I'll use instead yin. That was the Mm -hmm. first time in my life where I really started to move more towards yin energy, slowing Um, down, going in softness. And I'll clarify why I'm not saying feminine because that's not necessarily what the feminine is. mm -hmm. Um, So that was now, geez, I think about seven years ago, maybe a little bit less. And since then, I've done deeper and deeper work to realize how 
opposed my body, my heart, my mind was to revealing my energy because I was scared. I was scared to be labeled as emotional or crazy or um, unmanageable. I was, I was so mm-hmm. terrified of being seen the way that so many other men in my life have labeled women as right. sluts, whores, crazy, crazy. <laughs> a bitch, right? All these words that most likely many women listening in right now are having nervous system responses to. When you hear those words, you stop breathing, your body kind of tightens up. It's good to take note of those things because that's the power of words. And I started to get very curious on what um, femininity was and, and how it was different from what I thought it was, which I thought it was weakness. And I went down a rabbit hole of reading everything I could until mm-hmm. I was led to this writer named David Data, which was my first taste of what the feminine and masculine truly are. And mm-hmm. since I discovered David Data, I have worked with several teachers, two of which you will be hearing in this podcast interview a lot of the teachings I have absorbed from them. And I always like to give them credit at the start of sharing any of my own insight on the feminine and masculine. Their names are Kendra Kunov and John Wineland. I work with them and assisting with them. And I have my own teachings, of course, that I infuse with everything that I say, but a lot of stuff does come from that lineage. So I like to put their names in there as well. Um, and and well, they are included in the, in the notes. They um, are definitely, um, they introduced me to this entirely new deep level of the feminine and the masculine, which I'm happy to go deeper into. But that is a bit more about how I got to where I am today. <laughs> and um, so what, that's so interesting, because I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, when we start having kind of that awakening and that, that you know, being moved into this, these rabbit holes, th- I feel like, I don't know, that's not always work that, it's, it's not, I don't know, as pop, it's not like wellness pop. So I, so it is a bit deeper than what you, um, than what you typically get moved into. So what, um, what do you think led you there? Like, what do you, you know, what do you think, like, uh, what stood out to you? Mm. I was quite fed up with not feeling. Mm-hmm. And it was very, like I said, it was very intuitive and very natural. There was just a point where I was going to choose death and not Mm. feeling anything and the lack of life, the lack of beauty, the lack of purpose in living, or I was going to choose the opposite, which was to make the most of this life, to stop Mm -hmm. abiding by um, the patriarchal expectations of what a woman is supposed to be, to stop having these um, how do I put this? Like I used to have what I would call a bathroom floor breakdown, which is like Mm -hmm. crying on the bathroom floor in tears. But it's, but also when you think about that, I'm sure most people, when they imagine it, you're crying face down. You're like in the fetus fetal position, hovering in a like ball. That's what I used to do. And now I totally claim those bathroom floor breakdowns. I love them, but it's almost (laughs) as if the best way to describe it now is that my heart is open. I'm up. My Mm. chest is up to the sky. I'm being 
opened by God, opened by the divine and opened by my emotions and my bathroom floor breakdowns are blissful and empowering. And can I cuss on this podcast? Of course. Fucking awesome. They are fucking awesome. They, I, I, I cry, I cry almost every day. I really do, but it's never a bathroom floor hovering breakdown where it creates closure. Rather it is, creating more opening and more space and more love for life because living is, is in itself a very opening and heartbreaking experience every single day in some really juicy ways. I love that. That's beautiful. What would you say is not feeling like, um, so somebody that doesn't know that maybe they're not feeling, um, because of course we don't choose to not feel it's not, well, I mean, we do choose, but we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily aware that we're not feeling, Do you know of any like signs or any sort of thing to look for that you're not feeling? Well, I I typically think we all, we are always feeling like we're animals. So you might like, it might be goosebumps. Like that could be the knowledge of your feeling, but at least you're feeling something. You're feeling the hairs rising on your skin, right? Like there's still Mm -hmm. some physical sensation that's happening. I think the women who listen to your podcast and those who listen to mine, the ones that the thing that stands out the most is that rather than going into, let's say your sadness and you allow yourself to cry and you nurture yourself and you even allow yourself to scream or to yell and you just allow, right? Like that's a key word in my work is allow. Mm-hmm. Instead, you don't do any of those things. You don't scream because good girls don't scream. You don't cry because mm-hmm. good women who have to raise kids and have a job. They don't cry. That's weak. You got to be in a man's world, right? You have all those thoughts in your head. And so you repress it, but yet it's not like it goes away. You then continue to obsess about it in your head and you try to validate it in your head and you're constantly Mm. trying to process it in your head. Whereas this extends, this extends that emotion tenfold while only touching the tip of the iceberg of it, but you're still touching the tip of the iceberg for like, it could be a month of you obsessing over this one thing right? because you consistently refuse to just allow. Whereas if you set aside a time and a place to go into that emotion, let's say 10 minutes after work, you lock the door, you scream, you cry, you punch your pillow, you yell profanities, you feel it all, you have an open-hearted bathroom floor breakdown, Never underestimate the power of that. And I think that's what's really important. We can get into the definitions of the feminine masculine, but I said 10 minutes, right? There's a start and a stop time. When we give ourselves a container to allow, we feel safer to fully let go. Whenever we don't have a container and we just say, am I going to feel this feeling forever? Like when you don't know when it's going to end, Mm. you don't give yourself Mm -hmm. some sort of perimeter it feels a lot more scary to allow yourself to go into that emotion because you have the fear it will never end. Right. And right. So if I, let's say I'm feeling anxious about, um, or I'm feeling unworthy of like finding love. I'm feeling very sad. I'm feeling like nobody, you know, I, I just got, um, I went on a date and somebody, um, again, didn't want to be with me. And I'm really sad about this. So, but I also want to find love. So, but I guess the way you're explaining it, it's almost like it's like stuck energy. Like instead of having that moment and just being like, yeah, like this sucks. Like I'm sad. Like I'm, you know, I'm really feeling um, shitty about this. 
instead of like having time for that and actually like feeling it and, and letting it not necessarily pass, but open, like you said, um, what ends up happening is it's like, it's this stuck energy that like keeps coming up. Like it just keeps like, um, you know, like I keep feeling the feeling all over again, but if I actually allow it, what would happen if I would allow it? If I would allow that, if I get out of that date and I allow myself to have that moment, what would you say would be the journey from there? I mean, I know you can't predict that, <laughs> but mm-hmm. maybe like if I, if I allow myself to start feeling my feelings, um, what would be the benefit, I guess? Okay. Well, let's break it down even into tinier chunks. So what would that actually look like to go into that feeling rather than let's just say feel the feeling because a lot of people need more guidance, right? And mm-hmm. so one of the practices that John has had a lot of us do is um, basically Go touch that feeling you feel. So you said the word unworthiness, right? Mm -hmm. So what you would do is, let's say you get that text message, you look at your phone and it says, hey, I think you're a great girl, but I don't really feel like this is working for me right now. This happened to me the other day. Um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't need to go into this because with this guy, I was like, I I don't really feel it either. But I have had (laughs) this happen before and it will burn. And even if you don't, like, even when I just said, I don't really like him, even if someone doesn't really like them, like this yeah. person that's saying bye, you so still like feel rejected. Yeah. So yeah, if you're feeling unworthy, one of the practices that my teachers have had us as their you know students do, and this is also work that I've done in shadow work that I've been studying, is go into that emotion of unworthiness and like Mm. actually embody it. So if I told you, Nikki, after receiving that text, okay, I want you to spend the next 10 minutes, set a timer on your phone. And I want you to fully show me with your body, what does unworthiness feel like? What does it Mm -hmm. look like? What does it sound like? For example, what you could do is drop to your knees, open your chest and wail and moan and maybe even scream something like, like, I'm a fucking idiot, like super loud mm-hmm. and like totally just blow it all up and become mm-hmm. the energy of unworthiness. And you, when you go into that and you embody that and you express it, guess what? You're no longer resisting it. So it's no longer going to persist in your life. It is powerful, right. powerful. And we don't do that because we're afraid. We're afraid of what does it mean if I call myself, um, you know, an idiot out loud, like, isn't that actually creating more of that belief? Not normally. Yeah. If you're doing it with your heart and you're making everything, all of your feelings. Okay. You get rid of the shame. Right. That's what holds you back is the shame about it. And instead, when you embody it, you actually, in some ways, when you embody something like unworthiness, at the end of that 10 minute practice, there's a part of you typically that sees the ridiculousness of that thought. Like I've never had a right. like that where I left and I actually felt like I was an idiot. If I yelled that I would leave feeling like that is so funny that I thought I was an idiot, but I, I released it. I expressed it. I went into it and I played with the energy rather than letting the energy own me, control me, keep me quiet because it's okay if we have these thoughts about ourselves how we get rid of them holding the power of, over us, though, is when we switch the script and we own them and we play with them rather than them playing with us. So that practice is sim- simply something you do for the rest of your life. Like That's what it looks like is every time right. those emotions come up, you allow yourself to feel. And it gets smaller and smaller. Like 
you don't have to do this every single time, but there are, there are days where you simply just recognize how you feel. This happened to me the other day. I had probably about three things that happened this past weekend that all hurt me. Little things that kind of seemed silly. Like, um, I went to, I went to a class at Equinox Fitness and I, it was my first time to do it. And they got started and they were like, okay, input your running PR. And no one had told me we needed to know this beforehand. And so I raised my hand as we're running and I asked the instructor, what if you don't know your PR? And she said something to me like, you didn't think to tell me this before. And ah, I was like oh so God. offended because I was thinking, first of all, you were uh, talking the entire time. You're the teacher. You should have asked, like, how would I know to come up? You know, all these things that coming up in my head. Oh my God. But when I can take the bird's eye view and I can look at this, she's right. in her own world. She's not thinking about things. She's probably done this right. class like for years and most people know this, but I don't. And like, this is just two different, completely different worlds kind of colliding for a second. So instead of putting all the focus on her, what I do now is I just, I just held it for me. Like Madeline, that, that was hard, wasn't it? That didn't feel very good, did it? And I just hold myself in that I didn't have to do this 10 minute, like going into the feeling practice. But instead, in that moment, it was more of like a micro space holding energy where I just said, Madeline, that, that didn't feel good, did it? Kind of like an inner mother. And I just nurtured myself. And I said, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't know. It's fine. And it dissolved that tension for me. There's still a little mm-hmm. bit of you know, I don't want to go back to that class right now, but it's still, there are microwaves and there are the macro practices too. Yeah. Who would want to go back to that? But so um, it's kind of like the way you explain, the way it sounds is almost like you kind of like you have that bully, you know, in sixth grade or whatever, and she's making fun of you because you're too tall. And one day when you're finally like, yeah, you're right. You know what? I am fucking tall. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you're still right. It's almost like the bully doesn't have any, you know, control over you when you kind of, when you step into it and you're like, yeah, I know I am tall. Totally. And sometimes, sometimes that sucks. <laughs> you know. So it's like, you know, it doesn't have any power over you anymore at that point. It's like, can't, she can't be a bully anymore because you're not allowing, you, you know, like it's, you're, you're, you're stepping into it. And if, if someone ever does, this is very important. If someone ever does actually feel they see you and, um, hmm, they see you and they are not liking something about you. It's always, Mm -hmm. always, always a reflection of something about them. They don't like, or they hate. So if someone is like, you're a bitch, well, guess what? Like that bitchiness is probably something within them that they think is the worst thing above all. And so bitchiness is probably the thing that's going to consistently be a theme in their life. They're going to see people who feel like that kind of energy everywhere they go. It's their problem, not yours. Right. And they just, they just describe it as, I mean, bitchy could be saying what you want and they were never allowed to be able to say what they want. So they, Absolutely. you know, they describe bitchy. So, um, Maddie, you mentioned shadow work, um, and I personally really like shadow work. I, um, I just thought, but I think it's not necessarily something that too many people know about. Um, and I was hoping maybe you can explain a little bit about your experience with, with shadow work. Like, what is shadow work? Like, what would you describe it as? Um, what do you see it as? Mm, okay, I need to feel into this. I wasn't thinking about shadow. So, <laughs> so I wrote it down. Sorry about it. You were talking. 
Okay. Um, I want to see how I, which stories I present for my own life. Um, well, shadow work is the, is the parts of us that we shut away that we think are bad. Mm -hmm. Like we just, we kind of been talking about it this whole time and reclaiming the parts of us that are actually resisting or we're actually resisting in our life and they are persisting. So in the book, the dark side of the light chasers, the author Debbie Mm -hmm. Ford has a beautiful analogy that I love. She says that a human being is basically like this ginormous, beautiful castle with a thousand different rooms. And all of the rooms have different themes. One room might be this beautiful, jeweled, crystalled, glass adorned bedroom. And the next one might be like a red room from 50 shades of gray. And the next one (laughs) might be like this pillow fort room and you know, whatever you want, tons of different rooms, thousands, a thousand room at least. And let's say this beautiful castle is open for people to come and see because it's so magical. And so you open the doors, people buy their tickets and they come in and then all of a sudden people have opinions. So they open this red room door and they're like, Ooh, this is a terrible, terrible room. And this actually promotes beliefs that we don't want to be promoting in our life. You should lock up this room and you're influenced by that. So you go and you close the door and you lock up that room. And then the next person walks in and they look at the crystal room and they're like, this room's too shiny. It hurts my eyes. Close it. So you close it and you lock the key, go on and on and on. But basically that's what happens in our own lives. So we are grown up in a society that tells us certain pieces of us are bad with family units that tell us certain pieces of ourselves are bad with partners and relationships because people's triggers are triggering other people, hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal people. And so shadow work is about going into those individual rooms, finding the key and unlocking it. And unlocking it in a safe space with different modalities. Um, let's see. One of the ones I've worked on with John and Kendra, I spent a lot of time primarily working with this last year was jealousy. I, mm-hmm. and I totally like, if you could see me, my arms are raised up right now. I'm like, yes. Like, cause jealousy, I'm like, yeah, I love jealousy now. I know how to use jealousy right. actually in a really sexy, empowering, sovereign way. And it can be a fun energy to play with. I like, I like to be a, a jealous little lioness because I'm a Leo. I'm like, yeah, you're my <laughs> king. Um, but there are, there are ways that I hold that jealousy. I don't, I'm not jealous anymore in a way where I am manipulative with my jealousy. I'm secretive right. with my jealousy. I'm codependent because I did the shadow work to be a jealous, jealous human being. And I owned mm. it. Now I can play with it. So for jealousy, let's think. Uh, one of the things that my teachers have us do is something called sacred theater, where we actually act out something with that piece we're trying to avoid. And so mm. with my jealousy, I did a kind of like a sing song thing to Beyonce, one of Beyonce's songs where she <laughs> it's called I'm Jealous or it's called Jealous. And I put on mm-hmm. sexist lingerie and I acted out this dance with, Beyonce and I lip sang it and I it was really fun. It was like I one of the first ways I could step into jealousy and actually play with it. And truly, after that one five minute creation, that piece of art that I made because I recorded it and I posted it in the group. After that, I felt really free from it. Like jealousy was no longer something I needed to hide away from. And now right. I'm very open with people that like if I love you, I love you. And I'm even jealous over my teachers. Not jealous right. of my teachers, 
over them. I don't want anyone else to work with him. Like they're mine. And I notice it come up within me whenever other people are like, oh, I love John and Kendra. I'm kind of like, you know, they're mine. They're mine. And it's funny to me, right? Like it's not embarrassing because I've done the work to, to see how it's actually, it can actually be hot. It can be beautiful because if I'm not jealous over, uh, let's say my children, like I don't want anyone, let's say if I have, if I have kids one day, I'm going to be jealous of them wanting them to be around me. Right. If they are looking at another mom and being like, Oh, she's my second mom. I might be like, uh, I'm your mama. Right. right? And that is also a gift because if I don't have that, I'm not going to be uber protective and keep them safe. Right. It's just so part of like the way. Right. And a shadow mm-hmm. to every single quality, whether it's jealousy or it's happiness, because happiness has a shadow and a light side too. Everything does. Right. So kind of being able to experience and to not shame like when that shows up, like when it shows up to, to know that it has its own purpose. Like there's a reason that it's it's showing up, but to not shame it. So mm-hmm. seeing those those parts of ourselves, which I think is um you know, that's why I'm not a, like a student of astrology by any means, but um, I love like um, I I love chart readings for that reason. I think that you know, if you get somebody who who does a good job, that you can it kind of just reminds you of like you know all these things that are unique to us have a purpose, you know. And even if they show up in quote unquote what society thinks as ugly ways doesn't mean that they're really ugly. There's there's a reason for it, you know? There's, like, a reason for everything that, that we carry, even if it looks ugly. It's not it's not ugly. It's for you. So that, that's such a good example. And jealousy is, like, a real thing. And I think, you know, comparison and all that kind of stuff, it's so, it's so real. So um, I, I've been writing things down as you speak. So another thing I was, was wondering, thoughts on... Um, Thoughts on people, like kind of the teachings about, like, let's say manifestation that require us to stay positive even when um, things don't look so positive. Like, it, would that be a, um, like, what's that fine line between indulging into, in, indulging into some of our feelings that, like, need to be shifted or um, ignoring them and just putting, like, a, a rainbow Band-Aid on top of them? Any thoughts about that? The first thing comes up for me is sovereignty mm-hmm. and awareness. Those are, that's the, that's the difference because let's say, um, if you are feeling an emotion very deeply, like mm, anger, Um, Mm -hmm. There's a difference between going into anger and being angry at everything and everyone and also saying, let's go back to that I am an idiot example, saying I'm an idiot and I'm angry because everyone's taking advantage of me. Like that is in an emotion. Yes, you're very much in an emotion. But I don't feel like sovereignty is present with that kind of point of view. When sovereignty is present, we go, I am experiencing anger and I'm also owning my experience right. of anger. It's mine. I'm in it. You know, it's here. I'm owning it. And I have awareness of it. And you also know that you are not a victim to that. Right. It's not happening to you. You're empowered. You're choosing to go into anger. And that's the right. difference. And, go ahead. And like, I guess not using it as an excuse. 
is for like bad behavior, you know, for any sort of behaviors being like, you know, letting kind of seeing, seeing the separation between you and the anger, but recognizing that you're in anger, but that you are not anger and being able to see kind of the difference and not, I guess, not use it as an excuse for, for being whatever you're being. <laughs> yeah. I can actually give a really good example. Um, yeah, I would love that. Something kind of like, so I, I, for the longest time, and this is in the world of dating, so it'll be great. I, <laughs> for a year, consistently dated men who didn't live near me. I dated okay. someone that lived in Canada. I dated someone that lived in London. I dated someone that lived in different states, like several different states. So just one guy after the next I was dating these like <laughs> conscious teachers who all lived far from me. Um, <laughs> yes, I was being very avoidant, but I still had like, I, I had this idea. I, I mean, I was giving away my power in several ways. One of them, now that I look back, it's, I was very much trying to rely on someone else to sweep me away and mm-hmm. take me away from where I lived to have a new life rather than me just pack my bags again and, and go somewhere. Um, and I dated this one guy that was basically just the same story. I mean, he was a wonderful, wonderful man, but he was playing out the same story I'd experienced with men before him of, I will fly to you, but they won't fly to me. And I kept attracting in this kind of, this kind of person. And I remember um, I had this one instance with this guy in Canada who, when he was coming to me, he got off the plane and uh, I did the whole like, woe is me. He got off the plane when he was going to come visit me. I'm not worth like, visiting why do I do all the work and all the effort Mm. and I really went into that emotion I was really upset and the next time I had someone else do this to me and I was Mm. my quick response was woe is me why does it and no I quickly felt deeper into this and I brought it to my teachers too Mm. and they, they pulled it out of pulled me out of the situation and said let's just take a look at the story that's playing in your head right now. And let's look at how you may be actually re-traumatizing yourself so that you can stay in this place. Mm. And it was really such a powerful moment for me, that second instance when the guy didn't come see me, but I went to go see them. And I saw the story that I was trying to, I was consciously dating these people who lived afar and I was constantly giving them the opportunity to get off of the plane And I was constantly in this victim mindset of why does this happen to me when I was really attracting all of this. And once I had that awareness of what was happening, I was still hurt, of course. And I went into the emotion, but then I had the added layer of sovereignty of seeing what was happening and then saying, I am not going to be a victim to the situation. I actually played a very equal role in this and I'm owning that. And I'm also owning the experience of pain of being, like what it felt like to me left at the altar. Right. And, and I guess that, that separation is what like allowed you to choose different next time, I guess. The, yeah. Separation, the awareness, the sovereignty mm-hmm. of like owning it and realizing I'm not a victim and I am making my own decisions and my own choices. And, and that mm-hmm. none of that is bad. None of what I was doing, me constantly tracking in these kinds of guys, whatever, none of it was bad at all. It was no, more bad than finding the perfect man and doing everything right was it's all just a learning experience one after the other until we die over and over and over Mm -hmm. new experiences but they're great opportunities for us to learn more about how we interact as humans and how our brains work and how we live in our same stories judgment-free 
it's, I mean, it's amazing, the stories that we, we play. And it's always, I think it's just so nice to have teachers to point that out. Because I think even myself, like, as, you know, I've been studying and teaching for many years, but um, there's nothing like somebody being able to to work that out with you. It doesn't, I don't, I don't think, I think I always, I'm always going to need that, right? Like you always need that no matter mm. um, how well versed you are. It's nice that you have those, those beautiful teachers. Do you see them in person? Do you guys like, you do like group work with them? Both. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful. So, um, okay. So I'm dating. Now you're dating again. How's that going? How does, how, like kind of, do you have any, observations does it feel different now do you think that it's hard it's easy like any observations and maybe dating in New York is that different if you are dating how's that going <laughs> dating well all of the above everything said it's it's hard it's easy it's different it's everything especially dating in New York I've only been here since February so it's been pretty interesting um what I'm noticing about New York is that and I'm I'm definitely a part of this Already with Bumble and Tinder and all the dating apps, there's so many options. I'm sure you've talked about this many times on your show. Mm -hmm. There's so many options, and sometimes we get overwhelmed with the next best thing, and it's easy to just forget about a potential match and go to the next one, the next one, the next one, not follow up. And it's just we're inundated with so many contacts that we're constantly reminded about the endless sea of people and potential we have available to us. In New York, it's that times 20. Like infinity, like it's even more. It's it's. Yeah. And I'm not talking about just the amount of people. I'm talking about the mentality of abundance because people are already filled with options. There's already so many options, but then you add on top of that that every single person here is on the go. That it definitely makes it hard for attention spans to say to stay centered. Like right. attention spans. Whoa, they can just whoa, they're like move on so, so, so quickly. So it takes someone, I think, who is really determined to experience devotion and commitment to yes. slow down long enough to have success, especially with a dating app. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you're, you're going to you, – it's overwhelming for sure. It is very, yeah. very overwhelming and – I'm having to learn my own things about communication here and being more clear and being even more upfront and having more of my own filter questions to get a feel for people. Um, So in in many ways I'm becoming a lot more picky because I I mean, I'm already very picky, but I would say being picky even with who gets a message from me Um, even more picky with that, who I even spend a second conversing with because it can create resentment if you give out your energy too much to too many people who are also on the, on the go on their merry way to the next big New York mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And, and it's exhausting. Yeah. We definitely see that in like all the big cities, like the um, New York, San Francisco has a, like that consciousness as well. LA, Miami, um, they all have that kind of, you know, the, I guess it, it's what we would call the shadow of abundance, you know, the shadow mm-hmm. of possibilities. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, there is, yeah, like when you live in these big cities, it's like, oh, my God, there's, there's just so much to choose from. And a lot of people move into these cities for those reasons. So, of course, like even more so just being like, oh, there's so many, there's, there's um, so many different options out there. And that's what I mean. I think a lot of people are getting 
you know, they resent the app, but it's not the app, right? It's like, it's the way that we're, it's the way that we're using it and the kind of the intentions that we're putting behind it. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're totally right. Like you have to, you just, you know, have to be ready to slow down, you know, like you're ready to actually, um, to be in that place, like to be in that place to attract the right person. And it does get tricky, like, kind of what are the questions that we ask on these apps to make sure that I'm, or how do I, how do I know who deserves my energy? Have you, have you figured that out at all? Do you have any idea of like, based off an app, how do I know if this person deserves my energy or not? Mm. For me, it, it really depends on number one. Okay. The very first thing that I feel is how are they engaging with me even from hello? I mean, Mm. Because I have such little time to dedicate to apps, if someone sends me a message that says, hey, I'm not going to talk to them. Um, yeah. Just being very blunt and upfront. If they just say, hey, I'm not talking to them. <laughs> and I know that's a shadow side because there's probably a lot of really amazing men out there that just say, hey, but you know what? I if they're meant to so. be, you don't think so? Yeah. No, I think that like, I think that you're kind of saying, well, if you are like, what are you doing? Are you throwing out like, is this guy throwing like a super wide net and he just, you know, and Hey, is like an easy way to kind of bait, 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 bait. But if, if I'm more of a quality over quantity person, I'm probably going to be like, Oh, let me see this girl. Let me see what, like some of the stuff's on her profile. Let me like, you know, write something that makes sense. Um, I come from like my, my backpack background is in publicity and that's like one oh one. Like you're not. And I, I was an editor on the, on the flip side as well. When you're pitching like an editor to get, you know, into any publication, it's not like, oh, let me just send like some general, you know, Curie letter. Like I'm going to be like, oh, who is she? What does she write about? Like, um, you know, like caring enough because I'm really interested in her publication rather than being in 20 publications. So I think you're just going off of like your your instinct that, you know, if somebody's just saying, hey, they're probably, you know, they're probably not, you know, they haven't, they haven't take, taken the time to actually um, you know, take some time to actually write something a little bit more meaningful for me. I don't think you're asking for too much. No, I don't either. I wasn't saying that. I was saying that I'm sure there's, there, there are still some amazing men who say, Hey, I do think that because a lot of right. guys just have no idea how to interact with <laughs> women and what we need. They're just not the amazing man for me. So right. that's why I don't waste my time conversing at all. Even if they, if we match up, I'll unmatch just to kind of clean out my messages. And um, that's another one. Like if I don't interact with someone pretty quickly after we match, I'll, I will unmatch them. I'll, I just like keeping the space in there really clean and really minimalistic because if mm-hmm. I have like 15 people in there, who are either not messaging with me or they're saying things like hi um, or our conversation isn't feeling flirty and juicy and alive and creative, then I'll just clean it right on out. I've got, I've got no like FOMO or scarcity mindset living here. I'm just like the right person will pop up here. We're going to have amazing chemistry in our, even in our messages, we're going to be engaged. We're going to be curious. We're going to read each other's profiles and we're going to get on the phone. Um, I've been dating this. I've been talking to this one guy who lives in New York and we've done almost completely video messages to each other. Like, (laughs) yeah, we just like, when we text, we record two second clips and those are our responses. And that's actually a really great tip that I have for anyone. Whenever you are 
meeting up with someone and y'all exchange numbers, just like, don't even preface it and being like, ha ha, I'm going to send you. Don't do that. Just send a video saying that sounds great. I would love to meet you there. And then maybe they'll do it back. I think it's a pretty cool way that you can get that face to face interaction. You can hear each other's voices before meeting, unless you do a phone call, that's even better. Yeah, I do student, ask students to do, like, um, voice memos and things. Because it is, a, it, especially with the constant texting, it's like it'll just stay there forever unless you move it somehow to something to something else. But mm-hmm. I love that. I haven't, I haven't heard of the video tip, and that's good. I also think that um, what you're doing requires a lot of trust in knowing that what's going to come for you is going to come for you. Like, you're mm-hmm. okay with being, like, like the hey thing you're saying, like, I'm not judging anybody who says, Hey, you're like, you, you're, you're just saying like, yes, like I know there's tons of great guys that say, Hey, but like, I have decided with my own um, communication with the universe, like what's, what's working with me. I have decided like the hey thing is just, it's something that I'm going to use as a filter. And I trust that, that the universe understands that about me and that like, it's going to come through the right way. I, it just requires a lot of trust yeah. in your part. Exactly. Even the cleaning, even all these like little filtering, like the cleaning out and things that you're doing just shows how much trust it's not. There's a difference between what you're doing and being um, picky, like how you're like, or judgmental. There's a, there's, it's a blurred line, but there's a line and you're not being judgmental. I think this is like a good, if you don't mind me using you, it's like a teaching moment, but like, if you're not being judgmental, you're being trusting. You're like, you know, these are the few things that like, I, this is how I feel good about this process. This is how I can feel good about the apps. I clean things out. Like, this is how I do it. And it's not in a judgmental way. It's not like, oh, you didn't, you didn't write to me more than, hey, well then, you know. Or right. You uh, you Sovereignty. Me. Right. Sovereignty. You're not like hating. Exactly. You're not like hating on the guy for not responding. You're, But you're just saying like, I know that what's right for me is, is coming. And like, these are things that I'm okay with. Um, you know, not turning, like you, you said, you're like, I turned my back and I have no problem with that. Like I, I have no qualms, no FOMO, which I think is really important getting to that point. Um, and that just shows like how much trust and inner work you've done in yourself that you're able to get to that place. That's beautiful. Yeah. If you take those messages, if you take, take, Hey, personally, like, oh, you didn't look at yeah. my entire profile. This right. is going to be the most stressful process of your life to be on dating apps because yes. you are going to get a lot yes. of haze. But when yeah. sovereignty in this instance would be, okay, I'm going to be on dating apps. I know it comes with a lot of unpredictability and a lot of things out of my control. And I'll take all of those things and I will decide with empowerment what my choice is. If you don't right. like a message, uh, unsubscribe, yeah. unfollow, yeah. unmatch, get yeah. rid of that match and then move on to the next one. But don't allow yourself to get caught up in this happened yeah. to me. They send me this message. Just move on. When you when you decide to do something like a dating app, you're taking in the entire experience. So own the entire right. experience and then make it work yeah. for you. And it's so beautiful how you also, instead of being like, oh, there's all these people saying, hey, instead of saying it that way, you're like, you're in a way there's like this gratitude for the app, like this gratitude for it existing and being like, yeah, you know, like I've decided to use it. I, you know, like it, there's some, there's, there's a lot of benefit in it. And I, I, it doesn't own me. I own it. I think mm-hmm. when we get into a bad place when we start thinking that like the app is owning us and that the, that the experience is owning us. So that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, okay. So thank you so much for your time. I wanted to ask you one, one more question if you don't mind. So divine, if you could explain divine feminine and divine masculine mm-hmm. briefly. Oh boy. <laughs> um, I don't know. Whatever you I don't know about of, that one. Yeah. Or however you like, however you feel, but 
Um, and maybe, um, I just throw this out to you, but like divine feminine, divine masculine and how you see it, like maybe how you're seeing it in your own life relating to dating, like whatever you're, Whatever you feel based off that question. Okay, so I can't go too deep into this because I only have a few more minutes. Right. But <laughs> the divine masculine is consciousness and presence. It is time and space. It is a container. The feminine is energy, period. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So if we were to look at this in nature, um, look at a river. So the, the water inside of the, the river, the water that makes the river, is like chaotic right if it didn't have a river bed it would just pour out everywhere it wouldn't be contained mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a river anymore really yeah, but so water is like this fluid energy always moving and grooving liquid all over the place the river bed is the container it is the space it is held in that's exactly what the feminine the masculine is and this energetically plays out within ourselves Let's say you want to feel an emotion, you want to go into your anger, and then you have a time and a place to do it. So Mm -hmm. the emotion is the feminine, and then the time and space you allow yourself to deeply go into is the masculine. If we look at this in business, whenever you put together a schedule, whenever you put together deadlines, whenever you send out emails requesting things that you need and you take the lead in your podcast interviews, you are in the masculine. The magic that happens, the creativity that pours out whenever you are writing that blog post or doing that interview, that's the feminine. So the feminine really is energy. It means it's the feels, it's the revealing of the feels, it's the ups and downs, the chaotic nature of our souls. Um, If you've ever been in a place in your life where you're just so in love or in anger or in grief, like there is no logic or analytics to it. It's pretty chaotic. Mm -hmm. It's up and down. It's all around. It's everywhere. And that's the beauty of the feminine. She is energy and she is limitless energy. Now, if we want to do it in a way that is structured and we want to feel our feels or we want to have a really in-depth conversation with our lover in a way that actually serves the partnership. Oftentimes we want to have a time and place to do it. We want to have some structure to it because when we have structure, we feel safe. That's just how it, when we have structure to play, to feel, we feel safer to go all in. Like, when you know that you're, you have therapy for one hour and you have, you have right. 60 minutes to go deep, you're going to go fucking deep. You're going to pour your heart out and you're going to feel limitless and you are going to trust that your therapist will keep you on track and tell you when the start time is and the stop time is you're taken care of. Mm-hmm. We do this for ourselves too, especially if we're single. Like, and even in relationship though, you are still holding your own masculine energy. You are still holding your own emotions, but you're also in your feminine and it's your responsibility to allow yourself to feel what comes up for you. So those are the more, I would say, tantric definitions of the feminine and masculine and definitely from the lineage that I study in. I love, I love that explanation. I think, um, I think it's perfect. So in, um, so do you believe like in dating, if I, um, like sh- in dating, should if I'm a female or if I'm if I identify female or I spend more time in that space, should I be majority in my feminine and then look for like a, or do you feel like we, we're always kind of no matter what we are, we're always mixing the two? We're definitely always mixing the two, and there are no shoulds. 
The question mm-hmm. is what serves you the most. So typically the fem- so the feminine, the physical manifestation of the feminine typically is female and the physical representation slash manifestation of the masculine typically is male. Now there are right. some women who have a very masculine emotional body, meaning they process their emotions in a very masculine way. It's very logical, structured, black and white. If this mm-hmm. feels like this, then this needs to happen. That's very different from perfectionism, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. people, a lot of times people think they have more of a masculine emotional body because they don't feel their feelings, but that's not the case. They're actually trying to overcomplicate it and they are very much in their feminine. They're just ashamed of that. So they mm. think that they're more masculine, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very possible for a, a man to have a feminine emotional body where he gets lost in his emotions and feels all the yeah. feels and it feels chaotic too. If you want a partner who is in more of the role of the master of time and space and the leader and the presence and the depth and like, ooh, that just like, Mm, that presence that just feels so thick and ooey gooey delicious, like masculine, I've got you kind of feeling. Well, Mm -hmm. then it would serve you to be more in the feminine, more in the energy, because that kind of creature, that kind of human being who's really in his presence and purpose, what he is deeply, deeply desiring is someone to enter his life that is going to be love and light and rage and ferocity and and a storm, like he doesn't have the storm. He's very centered and deep and focused. So he's going to be craving someone who's kind of all over the place in her energy and lit up by the mundane and distraught and despaired at the little nuances <laughs> of life. Like he wants someone who's full of all that energy. And something John has said is if a man ever leaves a partnership or loses interest in a woman, it's typically because he's not getting enough energy from her. Because his life isn't filled with energy. He doesn't get goosebumps all over his body when he sees a butterfly that's a different color than what he normally Mm -hmm. sees. He doesn't moan and groan whenever he eats a piece of chocolate that's really good. That's the gift of the feminine. She has energy oozing and pouring out of her. And it's Mm -hmm. really freaking attractive to a masculine being and vice versa for someone who's really lost in her energy and loving life and just filled with pleasure and passion Normally, what she's really craving is someone to say, hey, baby, I want you to put on your nicest dress and I want you to meet me in 15 minutes and I'm going to take you to this date spot and we're going to be back by nine o'clock to get into our jammies and to make sweet, sweet love. Well, she (laughs) wants to know someone's got her and there's going to be someone directing her and kind of holding her whenever she's just lost in her bliss because that feels safe. Mm -hmm. So if that sounds good to you and that's what you want, then being deeper into your energy and your feminine and your pleasure is really going to serve you in, in creating and drawing in that man who's really living a purpose-driven life in his masculine essence. Mm-hmm. But I find that we borrow the masculine a little too much. And then we want the masculine, but we also want to be in the masculine. <laughs> so oh. it gets a little complicated. Exactly. Masculine, the, the shadow of masculine would be control. You know, it's like, it is the, uh, like, if it goes too far, you know, if, it, it doesn't, if it's not balanced with the feminine. So sometimes I think, you know, even as women, it's just part of the growing up in a, you know, in the patriarchy and, and kind of just seeing, seeing that we've, we've taken that on ourselves in many ways. And that's where it gets a little, a little confusing. 
Mm-hmm. But I love the way you described it. It's so beautiful. I, I, you should write a novel, Maddie. Mm-hmm. You would be really good at, <laughs> at all the, like, descri- at describing every single scene. I'm, like, in the scene with you when you're describing it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I do love to write. Yeah. It's a passion of mine. Yeah, you should. You should. You could totally, you could just, you would write some beautiful work for sure. Because it's, like, very captivating. Um, oh, Maddie, thank you so much. We could talk forever. And I hope that this, opens up um, anybody who's listening to, this is just like a small taste of what, you know, of, of Maddie's work and, and what she, you know, the wisdom that she holds and she keeps holding and that she keeps um, going into. And I hope that people go deeper into your work or anything that you've mentioned because you really have given us so much to think about, to taste, to feel. Um, and we're so grateful. So Maddie, if, if um, I, you have so many great ways to work with you, but I was hoping you would you could share a little bit of that if somebody wanted to learn a little bit more about you and maybe connect with you. If you can share what what were the best ways? Yeah, absolutely. And this ties into the very last thing you said that sometimes it's really hard whenever we want to be feminine creatures, but we have a struggle with letting go of control. That's mm-hmm. something that's that's primarily the type of people that I work with or that come to me are those mm. who really desire to learn how to do that. So if that is you, guess what? That was me. So hope is not lost. <laughs> and it's actually quite a beautiful process. And it does take choosing the right trustable people to allow to lead you. We don't want mm-hmm. just anyone to lead us, right? Because that will only re-traumatize us into thinking, oh, only I can lead myself because other people fail me. So we want to be really particular and choosy with who we completely deeply surrender to. And we also have to know that even when we do that, we're not fully giving up our power. When we surrender to our partner leading us for an evening, it doesn't mean you're helpless. You still have the right to say no at any time. And so that's where the sovereignty comes into place, knowing that there's a time and a place for practicing letting go and knowing mm-hmm. that you're, it's not like letting go and then totally out of control. You still have control. But for the sake of the partnership and the relationship, you choose times in your life with that particular person to practice letting go and practice letting them lead so that you both can, he can go deeper into his masculine and you can go into that feminine. But right. that's when it comes back to doing it with the right people, people who have proven to be very trustable. So to right. get more of that insight and to hear more <laughs> about shadow and spirituality, you can come to maddiemoon.com and I've got a podcast called Mind Body Musings all over iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher. I've got some free gifts on my website you can download. And on Instagram, all over Instagram at Madeline Moon, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N-M-O-O-N. Thanks, Maddie. And we'll have all of that in the show notes and everything that you mentioned so that you can just click on over to Maddie. So thank you so much, Maddie. Thanks for being here with us today. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. For more guidance on your journey to the final swipe, please visit me at NikkiNovo.com.